0: you think you know something about a podcast you know nothing about a podcast Welcome to a Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio, aka the Bald Man Homebrewer. Let's get this brew session started. So sit back, relax, listen, and have a homebrew or two. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Beer Better Served podcast. Uh, Today's subject is about cleaning and sanitization, uh, two very important components to successful home brewing. Um, As I had mentioned in a previous broadcast, you know, you're going to go off there, buddy up, and then, of course, buy yourself your first brewing equipment. But how do you treat it before your brew day or even during your brew day? And so cleanliness and sanitation are both separate and extremely important when it comes to um, your homebrewing success. So let's not just take my word for it. Let's go to some very important resources, some of my favorite resources. So there is the Homebrewers Answer Book by Ashton Lewis. Um, It's great. He's got a great quote on the front of it says, solutions to every problem you'll ever face and answers to every question you'll ever ask. So this is a great resource book. Um, I love it. it uh, it's, it's like a little pocket version, but it's got uh, questions that are asked of the um, Mr. Wizard and answers that he provides. So here we go. Um, question, are cleaning and sanitizing the same thing? The answer, when it comes to this topic, there are two classes of chemicals, cleaners and sanitizers. Cleaners are formulated to remove soils. Some cleaners, like sodium hydroxide, are also lethal to microorganisms, especially when the cleaner contains sodium hypochlorite or bleach. However, these cleaners typically do not guarantee a sanitized surface. Sanitizers are designed to kill microorganisms and some sanitizers are more effective at killing yeast than bacteria. Most sanitizers do not work well if the surface is dirty. They are best used after a thorough cleaning step. The best sanitizer is hot water or pressurized steam coupled with time. Many people assume that very low temperatures accomplish the same thing, but this is not true. Bacteria and yeast easily survive freezing, even for long periods of time. Another resource I like to go to is the Home Brewers Recipe Guide, written by Patrick Higgins, Maura Kate Kilgore, and Paul Hurtlein. Their thoughts on cleaning and sanitize. Sanitize, sanitize, sanitize. We can't say it enough. The single easiest thing you can do to ensure the quality and consistency of your beer is to keep things sanitary. If you think you're being overly careful and too obsessive, think again. You can never be too careful. It may seem tedious, but it'd be well worth it when you're sitting back and enjoying your brew. And then my last and favorite resource is The Complete Joy of Home Brewing by Charlie Papazin. And this is edition three, but I don't believe it changes in any of the editions when he talks about cleaning and sanitizing. The single most important factor, oh, there's a quote cleanliness is next to goodliness. <laughs> Merlin. Uh, the single most important factor in being able to make delicious beer is cleanliness. The more you can minimize the chances of unwanted bacteria and wild yeast contaminating your beer, the better your beer will be. The contamination of your beer by uninvited, uninvited microorganisms can result in cloudy beer, sour beer, Overcarbonation, surface mold, off flavors, and a host of other bizarre occurrences. There are some contaminants that won't drastically affect your beer. Obviously, some are worse than others. You can assure yourself that there are no known pathogens, toxic microorganisms, that can survive in beer. Your occasional mistake may look weird, taste awful, and momentarily depress you, <laughs> but it won't kill you. Now, don't run away. Keeping your brewery clean is not as, not that difficult. It's a simple question of giving the matter consideration and then doing it. You might still brew good beer, even if you don't attend to keeping things clean, but your beer will improve significantly when you do decide to maintain sanitary procedures. I use the words clean and sanitize very deliberately. Discouraging unwanted microorganisms is a two-part process. The word clean is used to describe the physical appearance of your equipment. The word "sanitized" describes the equipment that's been disinfected. Sterilization is, an, is impractical and nearly impossible. The largest breweries in the world don't sterilize. They sanitize. Sanitization is a, with disinfectants will reduce the population of bacteria and wild yeast to such a degree that good beer yeast will enter... Uh, Good beer yeast you introduce will be the majority and do its thing before the bad guys have a chance. Relax, for crying out loud. <laughs> Don't get the, any silly notions that you're going to have to play doctor or pressure cook your beer. Cleaning can be achieved with little elbow grease and patience. Sanitization is as easy as rinsing or soaking your equipment and keeping your beer wart-free of, uh, uh, wart free of Wart free of contamination is as easy as not touching it. So, and keeping your beer wart free of contamination is as easy as not touching it. There are a number of cleaners and disinfectants that can be used by homebrewers. One of the most effective is household bleach. Other effective and easy to use cleaners and disinfectants are available at homebrewer shops and are well worth using. What follows in summary of common cleaners and sanitizers used by home brewers, but before you use any of them, a very serious word of warning: Never, ever combine or mix any cleaners or disinfectants. The gases that are released by chemical reactions are toxic and can kill you so it won 't be the bacteria that kills you, but it could be the mixture of uh, toxin, toxic chemicals. So when I approach my homebrew day. Um, I look at cleaning and sanitation as two separate actions. And when you consider what it is that you're going to sanitize or essentially what is the most important things to sanitize and what are the most important things to clean, again, I I look at it as two separate categories. Um, Everything that you're going to use in your home brewing adventure, whether it be brew day or bottling day, needs to be cleaned. And what I mean by that is it needs to be cleaned before you're going to use it in the brewing slash bottling process, and even after you've used it in the brewing and bottling process. The idea, of course, is to get rid of those kind of like surface contaminants, you know, debris, uh, particulates, things like that that you might have had from a previous brew or previous usage, but you want to get those materials clean. So when you're beginning your brew day, you're going to inspect everything that you're going to use in your brewing adventure, uh, whether it be brew day or bottling day, and you're going to visually inspect it. Because, you know, obviously if you're doing things correctly in your home brewing process, you're obviously after you're done using a piece of equipment, you're going to clean it and then put it in storage. Well, the same thing goes for when you pull something out of storage and you're about to use it for brewing, you want to inspect it and make sure that it it's clean especially if you brew often right it isn't as though you have to wash it every single time sanitization it, to me is a completely different act and therefore there are certain pieces of equipment that specifically need to be sanitized in order for you to have a successful brewing day and so i as i have mentioned in previous episodes i'm not an expert i'm just going to give you the advice that i use in my home brewing uh, process and you know You're going to, of course, gather your own information, use many resources, and determine how you want to approach your brew day. But this is the way I look at it. If I'm going to brew something or heat it up, okay, I'm usually going to bring that item to a temperature, a boiling temperature, that's going to kill most yeast or bacteria. So anything that I'm going to use in my brew day, that's going to be like the kettle and the spoon, um, the muslin bags, um, all those things, even the thermometer, those are gonna be introduced to a boiling environment, a very hot environment. And therefore I don't necessarily sanitize any of that. I just clean it. And so all those things I'm using to bring that wart to a boil and boil it for 60 minutes, I don't sanitize, I just clean, make sure it's clean. Now it's the end part and most of the other equipment. Any piece of equipment that's going to make contact with my wort, especially when it's cooled down in that very t- dangerous zone, when it's in, at 70 degrees or something, it's in a very dangerous bacteria gathering zone. Now don't panic. I don't mean like, for example, anything you do wrong is going to spoil your beer. In fact, the book mentions several of the resources. Mention you know, it it doesn't it isn't going to kill you. But it will improve your process if you get into the mindset that, you know, be careful, be conscientious of whatever you introduce to the chilled wort, the product you're fermenting, the product you're going to be putting into your bottles, you want to make sure that you minimize any outside contaminants. So all the stuff that I'm going to use beyond the boil, when I've chilled my wort and brought it down, is the equipment that I'm going to sanitize, which is a majority of the equipment, not you know, a huge amount, but a majority of the equipment. And so therefore that's anything that's going to make contact with that chilled wart, I want to make sure that it's cleaned and sanitized. And if I use that process, then you know I'm that all that product is in that temperature danger zone and I want to avoid adding anything to that. So that's how I approach my day. That's how I bro my Approach my brew day so when you think about it if you're going to be heating up a product and you're going to bring it to a boiling temperature make sure it's clean but when you are going to take that same product or take a product that you've just boiled and bring it down to a um, a temperature that you can introduce yeast to and then of course ferment that yeast and of course take that fermented product uh, and then put it into bottles or whatever container you're going to be dispensing out of you want to make sure all those pieces are not only cleaned but also sanitized so if i you know if this helps it's again just a mindset everything that you use in home brewing needs to be clean but what you need to sanitize it's really the stuff that is going to make contact with that wart when it's at that cooler temperature so i hope that helps um the Sanitizer that I use is star sand. The detergents I use are generally just basic dishwashing liquid, but I'm sure there's a lot of cleaners out there. Be careful of abrasive cleaners when you're dealing with plastic uh, material. Uh, If you're dealing with glass, there's uh, you know, there's several different cleaners out there that you know clean that glass very well. But I primarily use a lot of hot water when I'm cleaning stuff and liquid detergent and plenty of well great rinsing i want to make sure the product's clean and free of detergents Um, and then when it comes to the sanitizing i use star sand which is a great product Um, when you can and again, it's it's one of these things where it's a contact product, you spray it on there, three to five minutes later, you can uh, pretty much guess that the, the surface is deca- uh, decontaminated and, and are sanitized. And what I really love about it is that, you know, you put it in a spray bottle and you literally can, if you forget to sanitize something, quickly spray it, let it sit for three to five minutes, and boom, you're ready to use the piece of equipment. Um, another... Great practice, of course, is that uh, being in the food industry, using gloves, um, you know, disposable gloves, non-medical gloves, uh, nitrile gloves, um, latex or vinyl gloves, um, you know, those are all great things to use. I like nitrile because it has a textural feel to it that makes me, allows me to grab. Vinyl, of course, to me, feels, sometimes it gets slippery when you're dealing with glass, Um, but again, gloves are another good habit to have. So I hope this helps you with your home brewing adventure. Uh, Cleaning and sanitizing, both very important. Uh, Both are different. And don't hesitate to use the resources that I mentioned in the beginning of this uh, episode. Um, Great resources. Get yourself an understanding. But start those practices now uh, as you're starting your home brewing adventure. That way, by the time you're your years into it, it comes to you second nature. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, or this segment of the podcast, and I look forward to uh, hearing or from you. so uh, feedback, comments, uh, concerns are all welcome. Uh, remember, a beer is best served when you make it yourself. I smell something burning. Welcome back. Um, here we are in Episode 3. Uh, this is Segment 2. This is where I talk about what I'm doing in my homebrewing day um, or adventures. Um, I just looked at the Rustic French Ale e- Extract uh, in its uh, uh, Plastic Pale Carboy, looked at the activity. It's really slowed down a lot at this point, which is fine. That's normal. And it is, you know chilling out at 68 degrees in its fermenting environment. Um, I have a controlled fermenting environment, so it's working very, very well. Um, and, uh, has maintained that 68 degrees. So I'm assuming since uh, I've got it in a pail, I can't visually see the, uh, activity of the craisin and, um, the yeast settling to the bottom or particulate settling to the bottom, but I'm fine with that. Um, It's definitely fun to have things in a glass carboy, but I wanted to do old school, and I also wanted to practice what I was preaching. So I approached this from a new home brewing perspective, and I'm going to be doing that with future brews too. I'll be doing a combination where I'll be brewing a beer in its um, in in the old the you know the extract method, Um, and then I will um, either recreate or you know just have occasional home brewing. Uh, Majority of my home brewing is all grain, so. Uh, speaking of all grain brewing, um, my brew shed uh, set up, my pumps, uh, my kettles, uh, my um, my hot liquor tank, uh, everything has been set up. Had some leakage problems since it's been in storage for a little while, but now that it's set up, it's it's really... I'm pretty impressed with it. It looks great. Go to home, uh, go to my bald man home brewing um, Facebook page, and you'll see see how things are set up there. So it it it's come out pretty well. Um, I'm happy with it. Uh, in a very few days, in in fact, uh, two day three days three days, I will be brewing with a friend Tony, and we'll be doing the rustic French ale in an all grain uh, format. And I'm very excited. I cannot wait to actually use my equipment again. Um, But I love my setup. It's very encouraging. Uh, Today I'm going to be putting drip pans underneath everything. Just to, you know, how can I say this, be ready for any contingency because you really don't want water all over your floor. So I went to an auto body shop or auto parts store and uh, found some nice little oil drip pans that will fit underneath, uh, uh, large rectangular pans that will fit underneath most of my brewing equipment. So it's nice it'll uh, help prevent any kind of um you know water getting all over my brewing floor if that happens if that happens but um I'm very excited about it. We're going to be doing a um an all grain uh rustic french ale and um this is the second in the series of rustic french ales i i I did this beer over two years ago um and it was quite exciting so here is the bill that uh, i'll be using um, i'll be using uh, nine and a half pounds of pilsner two row uh, milled and then one pound of wheat malt belgium wheat malt um, what i'm going to do with that is mill it and then i'm going to dough in i'm going to be adding 10 quarts of water at 120.8 degree um, uh, fahrenheit uh, hopefully having a steep temperature of 113 and I'm going to try and maintain it 15 minutes. Um, then I am have a, a beta amyla, uh, amylase rest. Uh, that's where I'm going to add 5.8 quarts of water and that's heated to 145 degrees. And hopefully that'll maintain a steep temperature of 145 degrees for 120 minutes. Uh, Then I'm going to do an alpha amylase rest uh, where I'm going to add eight quarts of water and heat uh, that I'm heated to 162 degrees and maintain a steep temperature of 162 degrees for 20 minutes. Um, uh, So then my intention of course is after the steeping, uh, taking the measurements, I'm going to do a uh, fly sparge on it where i'm going to be using water that's 168 degrees and i'm going to try and achieve uh, a boil volume of 6.66 gallons of water um, and i'm hoping to get a gravity a post uh, pre-boil gravity of a, a 1.048 uh, inside the boil i'm going to have one teaspoon of gypsum 1.5 ounces of galan hops, which I'll add at the 60 minute mark. This is a 75 minute boil, so 15 minutes into the boil, I'm going to add my galan hops. Um, at the 15, 15 minutes left in the boil, I'm going to add my yeast nutrients, I'm going to add a warflock tablet, um, I'm going to add my uh, Saz hops. Oh, I'm sorry, that's um, at the 10 minute mark on the boil, so I'm going to add a 10-minute mark of the boil. I'm going to add my Whirlflock tablet, my Saz Hops, one ounce of my Saz Hops, and then a Super Moss at the 10 minutes. Um, I'm hoping for a boil volume, a completed boil volume of approximately 6 gallons, or 5.99 gallons, and a gravity of 1.055. So, uh, get the wort on down, transfer the wort to the fermenter, and, um, it says, if needed, add water to re- achieve a final volume of five gallons. I have distilled water that I will use. I've always exceeded the mark, but I, again, you know my luck with the ex- extract brew is I over-exceeded <laughs> the mark. So we'll watch out for that. I'm going to be using a Belgian-style uh, ale yeast uh, blend, uh, White Labs WLP568. It's the same one that I used in my extract brew. Uh, it's already, or this morning, I'm preparing that yeast. um, uh, So I'm going to use a a light Pilsner yeast starter. And uh, it'll be developing for two days. And I hope that will generate over 300 million um, yeast cells for me. Um, Again, yeah, I'm going to do a yeast starter. So um, that should go well. It always seems to have gone well. Um, So again, the actual original gravity, I'm shooting for 155. Uh, actual batch volume i'm shooting for five gallons so i'm gonna have it in primary fermentation for five days okay um i'm gonna keep it in its container for its second stage of fermentation it's going to be there for an additional uh, it's going to so it's going to be in there in five days for 72 degrees the secondary stage of fermentation it's going to be in the same container um or fermenting environment um carboy for 14 days at 54 degrees and then um the final uh, uh, fermentation will be uh, drop the temperature of the fermenting environment to 40 degrees, uh, cold crash it uh, for seven days. All right. Um, Hopefully, we're going to get a final gravity before bottling of um, 1.08, 1.008. And... um, you know we get a good volume um, on average i get about 48 to 50 bottles of beer we'll age that beer for about 14 days before you drink the first bottle and hey you know what? you start enjoying that french rustic ale i'm hoping for the same results i had the last time i did a, a rustic french ale and that was everyone loved it and that's the thing about home brewing right you you make your beer um and i love bottle conditioning number one because of storage number two because I just haven't decided to spend the money yet <laughs> to do kegs, um, which, you know, could be a future thing as I get older and want to retire, right? There's nothing better than taking the brew shed, get all your power equipment out of the, get get it out of there and move on to having a really nice brew house with a kegerator <laughs> included in the inventory. But uh, I'm not at that level yet, and I, I, I'm not sure if I ever want to get to that level. Um but I may, <laughs> you know, you're going to have a retirement plan, right? Um, so if you have any questions or thoughts about the, um, the rustic French ale, or you would like the recipe, do not hesitate to email me at, uh, beer better served, um, at gmail.com or go to my Facebook page, which is, um, uh, bald man homebrewing and leave a note there. Um, but yes, I'm, this It's a really great time for me to be brewing. Uh, I've taken a long time off this year because of the virus and because of other personal, you know, moving, staying, renovation kind of things. But here I am brewing and so excited because right after I do this one, uh, a couple of weeks down the road, uh, actually little less than a week and a half down the road, I'll be doing my Christmas beer, my chocolate coffee porter, and I'll be very excited to talk about that. So that's what's happening in uh, my um, brew game right now, Um, but uh, looking forward to results, and I'll keep you all posted and updated. So, you know, there's nothing better than a beer best served, right? I mean, a beer is best served when you make it yourself, home brewing. Fellow home brewing enthusiast, where do you get your home brewing supplies? I get mine from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They are open Wednesday from Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com. The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy, excellent customer service, and a fellow homebrewer. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it does not exist. I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a Beer Better Served podcast sent you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to uh, segment three of uh, podcast number three. Uh, I like to use the third segment of most of my podcasts to, um, well, all of my podcasts, not most, (laughs) all of my podcasts to review a beer, either one that I've made, uh, one that I've purchased or one that I've been gifted. Um, This is one that I've purchased. Um, It's in the vein of things that I've been drinking lately, a Pilsner. Uh, it is Troeg's Independent Brewing Sunshine Pilsner. Um, Troeg Independent Brewing is located in Hershey, Pennsylvania, um, or PA. Um, it's a 4.5 ABV. Uh, ABV. Uh, this color is straw golden. Um, it's an enjoyable year-round. The hops that are used are Saws and uh, Hersh hersbrucker um, and they quote it takes the right ingredients people and the process to nail the complex balance of two row barley zesty sauce hops and lager yeast secondary fermentation creates a natural carbonation that delivers soft notes of fresh cut straw and flowering herbs in the end this bright and refreshingly clean american craft pilsner is our go-to when the sun is shining and makes us happy when the skies are gray that's nice. Very nice aromatics. Uh, it definitely has that uh kind of like two-row. Color is very golden brown. Bubbles are very tight. White sweet smell. very sweet. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting note, um right off the bat, sort of like a almost like a metallic tang on top of my tongue and the side of my tongues. Side of my tongue. Well, I will admit, this is in the vein of how I like my pilsners. It's dry, uh, very sharp, very clean. Um, but it's got an interesting uh, metallic tang on the side of my tongue. Um, but it's 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 the way I like my pilsners. I don't like my pilsners very sweet. You can find a lot of sweet pilsners out there. This definitely had a sweeter aromatic to it. But... Um, very sharp, very crisp. It's growing on me. I really like it. It's a very clean flavor. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's long. One of my favorite pilsners, I think. Um, nicely done, Tro Eggs, Troegs T R O E G S Independent Brewing. You guys did a good job. It's really a nice, flavorful pilsner. It's what I like to see in a pilsner, something sharp, clean, something that you're, you know, you want to drink um, year round. Um, But yeah, I I think you've done, you've hit this right off the mark. This is how I like to have my pilsners, and a 4.5 ABV is nice because it's, you know, you're looking for something refreshing, something that you can almost. What I, what I like to have my pilsners when I'm, you know, having a meal like dinner, um, and so it complements the meal. It's um, it's got sharp, clean notes to it, so it doesn't really dominate the uh, food you're eating. Um, so it's more of a complement. Um, that's probably the reason why I kind of like these uh, um, lager style beers. But um, clean, very clean. Yeah. Um I, I, I recently mentioned in a uh podcast that I do with my um mentor Bobby Bobby G or Long Neck. Uh the other podcast that I do is uh two beer bottles with uh with Bobby G. And um one of the things I I mentioned in it is that, you know, I, I've been really fascinated with Pilsners. I tried to focus on Pilsners this year. I was only able to brew three in the beginning of the year and then things, you know uh, went uh, the, the direction in which they did, and now I'm getting back into home brewing. But I won't be brewing a pilsner until 2021 because I'm focusing on my holiday gift beers. And uh, I decided on doing a, a rustic French ale, an extract brew, because I was trying to do what I was practicing and preaching. And but I'm also doing a rustic French ale in all grain so that I can compare the two from extract to all grain. Um, and, um, and then I'm going to do my Christmas, uh, beer, which is my coffee chocolate porter, which I've made every year since I began homebrewing three and a half years ago. Uh, re, should I say I restarted homebrewing because, you know, if you listen to my original story, um, I'm not new to homebrewing, but I'm definitely better at homebrewing now than I was back in the years that I started. Um, but yeah, sunshine Pilsner. Uh, really well done. Um, this is the kind of beer that, to me, Pilsner's are the, that clean, crisp um, brew that you want to... S- I like to go into a, a, a brewery, and when I see Pilsner on the menu, I'm, I'm pretty impressed with that brewery. Lately, or should I say, not lately, because I haven't been in a brewery in a long time. Whoever gets to sit in a brewery, but a lot of the brewery offerings today um, when you get curbside pickup in, in new England or in Rhode Island are, you know, IPAs, uh, double IPAs, um, very little Pilsners are on the menu in the new England region or of the breweries that I go to. Um, I'm not complaining. Um, I always seem to get something. My wife loves sours, so I'm always looking for a brewery that will offer sours. So um, I've been going to Smug Brewery in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. I've been going to uh, get beer off the shelf from um, uh, Proclamation Brewery, which has a sour um, not many other breweries do have sours, but i 'm always looking i 'm always checking the menus to see if any sours are being offered because it gives me an excuse right so i buy myself my I buy my wife uh, a four pack of a sour and then I buy myself myself something off the inventory uh, that they might have um, so it makes both of us happy but rarely have I seen um especially in the new england slash Rhode Island scene. A, a Pilsner being offered as a curbside pickup um and I'm pretty impressed when a brewery does that um, uh but again um don't have to go local right well, I guess Pennsylvania would be good. <laughs> isn't local like uh anything within a two hundred mile range right so i i, I think uh I think <laughs> Hershey, Pennsylvania is uh Within two hundred miles of Rhode island um, but yeah it um it definitely has that nice you know the the metallic tang has um gone away, it's more of a a light um almost dryness on the top of my tongue at this point, um very clean, really nicely done very happy with it. So that might be one of those, you know, those initial influences. You know when you're tasting something for the very first time and you're not really sure what, um, or you're not conscious of the fact that you might have eaten something or you might actually just have a clean palate. So your mouth is naturally influenced by the first thing it takes in, right? So if you are like, you're having a meal, obviously obviously your mouth is muddled with whatever whatever flavor you have uh, in your mouth at the time or just completed. And then, of course, when you take a a brew or take the next flavorful item and introduce it to your palate, it's slightly muddled and it's slightly influenced. Um, So that metallic tang that I had originally with this Pilsner has completely disappeared, And the Pilsner has more of a, almost like a dry sensation on the top of my tongue, which I am absolutely in love with. I think that um, this is how I like my Pilsners. This is how I'm hopeful that my Pilsners in uh, 2021 will come out. And I might actually email them and ask them um, if they're willing to give the process, some insights in the process of how they do their Pilsners, because Wow, really well done Folks, if you can get this on your shelf I'm going to recommend you buy it Especially if you're a Pilsner fan uh, Do not hesitate Again, it's Troegs Independent Brewing Sunshine Pilsner Um, 4.5 ABV And again, uh, done by uh, um, Troegs Brewing Company in Hershey, Pennsylvania I salute you Extremely well done Extremely well done um, I like to always take this opportunity to thank those people who have made this podcast a um, an opportunity. That, of course, is my wife and my family, my two boys, my mentor, Bobby G. And, of course, the uh, place I buy my home brewing supplies from Blackstone Valley Brewing Company um, and Troegs. I thank you uh, for a extremely wonderful brew. Uh, Well done, and um, it's inspired me to try the other products that you have available in our local market. Everyone, remember, as I always like to say, a beer is better served when you make it yourself. All right, we're done here. Put the damn thing in a box, tape it up, ship it out. No questions asked. All right? You got a problem with that?